Welcome to Advance Your Art. If you are interested in making money from your art, using your artistic background to your advantage when switching careers, or if you are just plain stuck, you've come to the right place. Now let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yurika Cataldo. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Advance Your Art with Yuri Cataldo. If you're interested in learning how to build a company, make money from your art, or if you're just feeling stuck about what to do next, you've come to the right place. Every week, I sit down with a creative entrepreneur to discuss the who, what, and why of their journey. If you like this episode, please remember to like, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Today, I'm sitting down with Kababi Bayakt, international uh, renowned visual artist and illustrator. Kababi, hello. Welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Harry, how are you doing? I'm well. I'm well. Thank you so much. So for my listeners who are less familiar with your work, how do you describe yourself and what you do? Ooh, I'm a combination of children's books, Picasso, um, stained glass, graffiti, yeah, and a lot of color. So that both gives you a visual and not a visual. So yeah, I have a very, I'm very um, experimental and very bold with my color, and I love characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and funny enough, I'm just now leaving a stained glass studio, so that's had an effect on my work as well. So yeah, you can, you can visualize all those styles and mashing together. That's where you'll find me. Wonderful, I love it. <laughs> So before we you know, talk about your current work and what you're up to, I, I want to start a little bit from the beginning. And most importantly, where, where did your first interest in art come from? First interest came graduating from high school and needing something to study. And I could draw a little bit. So I decided to go to a community college. Well, I still say junior college or JUCO, and I heard that's not correct now, but for, I'll, I'll, so I don't correct myself. Yeah, I went to a junior college and um, yeah, majored in art mm-hmm. and I caught the bug there and um, yeah, I haven't looked back since. Yeah. That's 20 something years ago, so. Oh, good, good, good. So I wonder if you could, at least from the beginning, kind of walk through your journey a little bit. So you were, so you went to school for art. What was that? What was your experience like at school? Um, what were some of the best takeaways that you received? And then what were, what were things like after school? Takeaway was some of the big takeaways going at Bell Bell Area College where I started mm-hmm. my art journey. One big takeaway I got from there was I, ne- I never was one to push myself. You know, I really like school. So even saying a teacher wanted said do XYZ, I did XYZ, I might have done XY and tried to cheat on Z, you know. <laughs> but right. going to the college and you know, it was just a cool, chill vibe. Our teacher was cool. The thing that stands out in my memory the most is I always bring up, we had one lesson to take home one weekend. It was to do egg and blanket mm-hmm. or do an egg, do eggs and a blanket or, you know, work on Draper and, and, and light. Yeah. And so I did that. I think I probably even did an eight by 10. And, but there was one cat in the class. I can't remember his name, but, you know, come Monday when we got back, you know, he had that painting. And then he also had a painting of his hand that he had wrapped rope around. And he said he just wanted to see how rope affected his skin. And 
you know, my brain wasn't there. I'm just like, I'm majoring in art. The teacher gives us assignments. We do it. Period. But I see this guy who's like, okay, I'm learning technique. And I'm learning what you tell us to do. But I have my own, my own goals and ambitions. So that definitely was a marker in my life. I didn't even realize it until later. But looking back, I was like, wow, that was huge. Yeah. Um, and so what that did for me is when I went on, I went, I graduated there in two years. I went to Grandland State University and did three years to get my degree in, in painting and drawing. And exact opposite, when I got there, you know, we're art majors, got to have a senior exhibit. I was baffled that people graduating didn't have that much work to show. So I was like, okay, this makes no sense. So I, I tried to do the opposite of that and do as much as I could. You know, and my takeaway from that was what I try to tell students and kids and people when I go to schools to do my murals, like, you know, if you're going to be an artist or whatever you're going to be, there's some some part of you, I should see it without you even have to tell me. You know, of course, there's some things, you know, especially with this digital, digital age, people are walking around, we have no idea what they're doing. But when you say you're a painter, you're a ceramicist, or you're a veterinarian, if you're a veterinarian, I, you know, we grew up together. I was like, you know what? You were always talking about squirrels, birds, and cats and dogs. Like, it makes sense. Or yeah. if you're an artist, you you were playing in the snow, making stuff out of your food. Like, it made sense. So I got from that that, you know, illustrate in your life what it is that you want to do. And that's how I am now. I love, I prefer to, even if I'm going to something kind of formal, I like to have paint on me. I just, mm-hmm. you know, it used to annoy some of my family members, but I'm like, hey, this is who I am, man. Yeah. And I want people to know it before I even have to tell them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I love it. I mean, it's, it's a very strong calling card. If you have you have paint on you, it's very clear what you Absolutely. have to and been doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Absolutely. So, okay. So, so after you graduated from, from Grammarly Strait and started working a little bit, um, I want to talk about your first art show. So how did that happen? And what was that experience like? Somebody must have introduced me to somebody in St. Louis um, because yeah, I was just—I don't think I even left Grambling yet, but I did have a show because uh, I'm from the St. Louis area, so I had a show up in St. Louis, and it was two people who were going to represent me. Yeah. You know, they were, gonna, you know, however people always sell themselves artists. Like I can do this for you, and blah blah blah. So yeah, we had a show in downtown St. Louis, and that was really cool. That was my first time doing that my family got to see it um but yeah i mean you're talking like gosh it's, it's, it's baffling to think that we even that was before websites and instagram and all that like yeah somebody must have made a phone call to me and you know and i said yes and they were just like okay show up for this date so i put the work together and then i drove it up to st louis and hung it and yeah yeah that was it yeah yeah, yeah. different and, world yeah and how did that so so that that show, how did that show go? And then like ultimately in the end and, and um, let's say what got you then to the next show that you were doing? Was it that particular show or was it something else you were doing? I'm 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 trying to kind of get at your just your just your trajectory of of after you've gotten your first established show, how does an artist keep on going to make sure that the the they keep on coming? Yeah, I, I had that show. I don't think I sold anything. Um, I can't remember if that even made a plant in people's mind that, that I, this is who I was. Yeah. So I had that show. I think 
there was there there used to be a gallery in St. Louis called Portfolio Gallery, um, who specialized in black art, and every year had an invitational show, and I think that's where I started to plant seeds in this community, and I may have I think at that first one I may have sold a piece, mm-hmm. and but even besides selling it, people got to see my work, and so from there, I kind of had the route that a lot of artists have where you have a show, but I mean, a big part of my thing was hanging. There was a place called Nick's Wine Bar uh, that I hung my work in and I sold quite a few pieces out of there. And if I didn't sell pieces out of there, the place was so iconic and, you know, it wasn't like everybody went, but enough of the key people in the community that had enough reach, remember my work from there that that allowed me to get my name out. And I didn't even know I was doing it. It was just a matter of people asking me if I'd hand my work and I'm like, yes. So hindsight, looking back, it was great that I said yes to these places, but okay. I would also just hang anywhere, you know. Um, so, yeah, my my direction in the art world hasn't been gallery shows, studio. Okay. I went from doing a few shows here and there to working in a, in a mall-like setting and being introduced to the world of caricatures and going to Six Flags as a caricature artist. Mm-hmm. That was a real push into the direction of where I was going and how I became me. Sure. So yeah. why, why, why was being a caricature artist at that uh, Six Flags that influential in your career? I didn't take anything business related. I just loved to draw and paint. So I did, I did a uh, caricatures at Six Flags after even half of the year. I knew I, this is, I'm not coming back here. This is ridiculous. Um, so the guys there, they introduced me to an artist named Sebastian Kruger out of Germany. Mm-hmm. And so I bought his book. He did a whole book on the Rolling Stones caricatures. And so, again, going back to the first school I was at in self-drive, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to teach myself how to do caricatures so I become an illustrator. Um, luckily, while I was at Gremlin, I worked for the school paper. And I noticed that the guy who was the editor at Gremlin was now the editor of Rap Pages. And so I was like, okay. So I put together a portfolio. And I sent the portfolio to him, as well as a few other magazines. He was the only one to call. And yeah, they gave me an RPM, uh, the where they where the um, where they review an album of the of the month. And so mm-hmm. I got that for a year. And when I did that, this guy named Chris Lighty, who used to be a Violator Management, who hot, who used to manage Busta Rhymes, and Missy Elliott, and LL, he hired me to do Violator album cover. And Again, this is me just doing jobs. Right. But luckily, I mean, I'm, I'm like, I don't even know how this happened or why I was blessed with the opportunity, but I got all these really cool jobs that later on would manifest into iconic moments. So mm-hmm. I got the Violator. Um, Violator, this group called Phil Mob, they saw the Violator album cover and they asked me to do their cover, Rooted to the Tuta. And, you know, so now here we are 20 years later, people are like, you know, holy crap, you're the guy who did... Uh, violator and film up like you know and i'm like you know to me they were just jobs back in the day i didn't think about how big they were going to be right um but those things helped plant me all these little things i kept doing were cementing me in people's minds and just on a whole new sphere and, and just getting me out there as an artist i still wasn't really making any consistent money i was still hanging at nick's wine bar and doing this that and the other but every now and then i would get some really cool commercial job mm-hmm. like coca-cola and has bush but I wasn't aggressive, so I didn't know how to like become a major illustrator. I just got some really cool jobs. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I'm. I'm curious in in your journey, at what point did you, or yeah, at what point did you consider yourself a professional illustrator, not just someone who was just kind of working on one job to another. You were very much like, this is me. This is what I do, and then this is how I'm gonna kind of extend my career. Was there like a moment in time when that happened? You're like, this is it, or did something just gradually come on, or what was that like? <laughs> no. I just did those and, you know, I've never, I, I didn't, I think when people ask me what I did on my business cards, I was the artist illustrator just because of jobs I'd gotten, but yeah, you know, I, I had a few people here again, I kept getting these people who were like, Hey, I have a management company. I'd find out, you know, they've never done it before, but they knew me and they knew a few other artists and they were like, I can get you out there and do this. So, you know, we, we went through all those movements, but nothing ever happened. Yeah. Um, I've been doing this 25 years. I could say, honestly, last 10 years have been money. That's been where it's been like really, like first 15 years, I was mm -hmm. just, I don't know how I made it. You know, just, <laughs> I just, again, the, not, the, just enough, just, there were just few, you know, some really good big paying jobs that just helped me get by some months. And mm -hmm. in between there, I would sell a portrait here or a print there and, you know and i just and also yeah making posters on, on the whole atlanta scene all these were business cards that i was putting out there and like 10 years later they all started to come back and like people started like hey my mom had that piece. the weirdest thing is I, I forget i'm 50 and go into a store and the guy's like man i grew up since i was a kid you know my parents had your piece in the living room all this time and here you are because in my brain i'm not thinking how old i am so i've been putting out business cards my entire art career that i had no idea i was doing it yeah. Um, which is something I like to always tell people like, yeah, every paint you put out, every print, like it is what's it's a sale, mm -hmm. but it also is a business card. Like, you know, don't know how it's gonna pay for later. Yeah. Uh so could you talk to me then about some of your your series? So I know you did something called 365 Days with Dad, uh, which yes. then led into a, a book. So could you talk about more about what what made you want to do that series and then ultimately write a book? 365 days a day happened because I was tired of the inconsistency and not knowing how I could consistently make some money. And so I had, you know, I was using Facebook a little bit, but I was like, you know what? There might be a way to use Facebook because people are following on me. You know, I could create a piece, not, you know, a certain dollar amount that I felt I could generate a sale every day. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know what the theme was going to be, but, you know, after conversations with my ex-wife, we came up with fatherhood. And so I decided to call it 365 Days of Dad. And then I just started, uh, yeah, I put out a call on Facebook to ask people to send me photos. And then January 1st, I just started posting them. You know, almost immediately, it turned into a commission-based job where people started requesting dates, mm -hmm. you know, in months, you know, or a number. And so I had, to, I had to get a friend's wife to help me organize because I was not organized being at all. Still not really, but, you know, so I was like freaking out. And so, yeah, she helped me set up a system and start filling up the calendar and, you know, had emails and photos and files. And so the whole tech part started kicking in. And so we started creating a system. And then, you know, that 365 turned into 787 days. So I worked on that project for two years, three months. and. Yeah, I just worked on it and I saw the 
that I felt and saw that it was bigger than just our project. You know, I was really making a connection. And so doing that project, again, for me, I started off from a salary point of view. I was thinking mathematics. If I charge 200 for 365 days, I say, like, shoot, that's good money. Based on what I've been made so far, like I can make a decent salary that my wife could feel good about. Right. And so that's what I did and I came up with. And as far as the book, I think that was a matter of, I don't even think I was always done with the project, but I had enough pieces that I literally one night went on blurb and chose some of them, put them in the format that they have on the website, typed words in that night. And then boom, there was a small book. Yeah. You know, when I become dad, then I don't even know if I sold a hundred, you know, cause I don't ever brought it. I don't even remember it until people bring it up, but that's out there. So, you know, this was a uh, 2012. And so, yeah, that those two years, that was, that's had an, also, that's had a big impact on my career today because that made people look at me beyond somebody who they thought my art was cool. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you know, this is a guy with purpose, you know, and this is a guy that, is trying to do something for a community not just himself and so it changed the whole way that people look at me and and i'm still benefiting from that to this day you know yeah i'm so i'm curious now that you said you know you're an established artist how first off how do you choose what to work on and do you have um uh, a normal schedule like like the way your days are set up is it is it and my normal, I mean, like, do you have like certain times set aside for creative work versus something else? Or what's your day-to-day like? And, and how do you choose projects now? Yeah, I can, I can usually work from the time I wake up to the time I go to sleep because I love painting that much. Okay. And, and I have so many canvases um, started midway, almost finished. It's ridiculous. Like in my apartment, in my studio. Um, but the majority of how I, my, I make a living now is through murals. And so, you know, and I have a, a manager who all that goes through now. So I really is, is a matter of pointing. First, there used to be some of this, is this a job you want to do? But now it's like, you know, we have a system where we said there's a bottom line of, that the mural has to, that we get a charge or it's like, it's not, it's not even worth our time, which yeah. is hard for me because one, I'm a pleaser, and two, just having done this for 25 years, I'm like, you know, whether it's $500 or $1,000, I'm like, that's money, you know, and, you know, she's coming from a whole new space, she's like, nope, it's like, you are a different artist, people see you this way, like, people got to pay, and also, because I said I could paint from morning to night, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to learn this thing called rest, and so, charge a little bit more, I'm I'm seeing now that I can work on one project, and because I've been painting so long, I can get it done pretty quick. And then we can have a week or two between the jobs mm-hmm. to where I can go in the studio or work on my iPad and play on stuff that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the jobs are based on, they have a lot to do with, yeah, one, what the person's asking me to do. And two, um, yeah, how much, what kind of budget they have, you know, which is a space I never thought I'd be in. But, you know, it's kind of cool. It's scary, but it's cool. Um, but th- those are the determining factors. It's, it has a lot to do with, yeah, just her thing is, you know, anything that you say yes to, you're saying no to something else. Right. So if you say yes to a whole bunch of hundred dollar jobs and that $10,000 job, $10, job comes up, you're exhausted. So 
luckily now I'm in the space where, you know, we're getting emailed every week. Like jobs, people are constantly emailing me, which is great. So now I'm like, this is the first time I've ever been to say, like I'm booked till June, July, just on murals, you know? And Mm -hmm. I was able to say, I'm not going to do any portraits this year. And of course, as soon as I said that, I'm getting so many, not only requests, but so many people know me in St. Louis that people are walking up to me and like, man, I was just looking, I was thinking about you. And now I have to say, I'm not doing any portraits, man. I'm sorry. And they're like, none. I'm like, nope. I'm too busy. <laughs> so yeah, it's hard and it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a nice, uh, a nice problem these days. On, Absolutely. On your murals. I, so how does, how does that process um, work artistically? Meaning does someone approach you and say, I want a mural and they give you the dimensions and they say, I want this subject matter or what is that like working with you on a mural design? I mean, here we are 2022 and we know we're talking to art where art merges with technology. So this is, it's, it's really amazing that like people would email me or they'll sit, they'll go through my website, send out a contact. They say, I got, you know, I got a project. And then Amber will respond like, you know, what are the dimensions that they hadn't sent them? So we get the dimensions. I like to even get a picture of the wall because now what I do is I take my iPad mm-hmm. and I put the photo of the, in my iPad and procreate and I do the mural right on top of it so that they can see it and then especially during COVID um, but even since COVID going forward I hope to continue to do this so now we can um, zoom with a classroom full of kids or if it's a commercial client you know even if they're in all their locations different offices we can all right here on the phone or on the computer have a conversation Right. And then they'll email me notes or, and Amber will take notes and then I'll take all the information and then I'll come up with the design I'm procreate and I'll email it. And, and then from there, I show up at the wall. And the craziest part is that a lot of times when I show up at the wall, I might use 50% of the sketch that I sent them. So I'm really using that sketch as permission to be let in the building mm-hmm. and then I do whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm also knowing, understanding that I got this job because you've seen all the other murals. Right. And so in some way, you're already trusting that I'm going to do, because I'm doing it for me. I'm not even just doing it for you. I'm, I'm, I'm so concerned with the product that I put up that you're going to get, half, most of the time I'm halfway done and they think, oh my God, I can't believe you're almost finished. I'm like, no, nah, I just blocked it in. Like, I haven't even really started yet. <laughs> so by the time I'm completely done with it, even if it doesn't look anything like the sketch, they're so caught up in the process and all that that they're, they're sold. Like, and mm-hmm. so it's great. So yeah, it's always email, Zoom call, list, sketch, and go in and do it. Right. Yeah. So you mentioned um, about what kind of changed a little bit during COVID, which has mostly been you know, Zoom meetings. Everybody could be on the same, uh, same meeting at the same time. But in addition to that, has these have these last couple of years influenced your work in another way or or how has your either your business process or your artwork uh changed or uh, adapted beyond the the zoom calls for this time period yeah i don't always know what i'm picking up um because i'm currently working on stained glass Mm -hmm. for a church here in st louis and you know last time i went there I told them because I didn't even realize it. I was like, I can't, my art has changed because of this job. Like here we are in 2022 
and I'm in a in the place is Mo Fry. Like they're they've been around a long time, so they're doing stained glass, the old school traditional way with the you know I'm in there with the powder and making paste and oh, yeah. gum paste and letting it dry and all that and fumes and lead, and so it's really cool that I'm in a in the present modern day, but doing some old, but doing that work and doing my murals are real similar. And I use a lot of hard lines and um, textures that honestly, yeah, during COVID, like a lot of my stuff is on Pinterest where I get my, my um, reference material. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always creating folders that sometimes I share, sometimes I have a bunch of private ones because I just don't want people I want people to think that the stuff's been out of my imagination. So I just got so much on there, but yeah, definitely over COVID and over these past few years, I'm, I'm developing, developing systems. Um, so that when I get to the wall, I can just knock it out. I just have all this reference material right in my phone. Mm -hmm. So it's cool. Like I can talk to somebody, even if I'm at the wall, I could do a podcast and, you know, while I'm working and, you know, so I guess quarantine and COVID has affected me. Yeah, astronomically. It's really, I probably won't even realize all of it until I sit back a year or two from now and think and see what I'm doing now. And think, oh, shoot, that's something I didn't start till 2021, 2020. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, could you talk to me about the idea of fear? So, throughout your career, I'm sure there have been times when you have, you know, put yourself out there. Um, more than maybe you felt comfortable at that time or that displaying a piece of artwork or having a necessary conversation. When those instances come up, how do you approach them and how do you think about the idea of times you're fearful? Ah, the very first time I was fearful was at Six Flags. Never did caricatures and we learned on the job. And so literally started learning. I mean, I got a piece of, I got a pamphlet to take home and read over before the first day. But once you get there and you open the gate, somebody sits down in front of you and it's like, I just have to pick up the pencil and go through it. Like, yeah, I've, I have tattoos and this is probably what I need to put on me, but I'm, I always say it's worse to think about it than do it. And so there are a lot of times I'm fearful, but I know a lot of times it's mostly in my head and I have to even remind myself muscle memory like even if I'm nervous about getting to a wall or um, even at the stained glass factory, the guy showed me everything to do, but then he was like, okay, go for it. And I mean, like, go for it and do what? Like, <laughs> how do I start? <laughs> so I've learned that, especially with my art, you know, when I'm fearful or even scared to death that I can't come up with a design, I just have to pick up a pencil and I got to just make a mark. Mm-hmm. And I just had to make another mark and I had just, and even if I'm frustrated, I just, I just, with technology, I start overlapping in that, you know, so even when I don't have technology, I try to overlap and I just go off my own experiences. Like even when I get to a mural, when I get to the wall, sometimes there've been a couple of times where they, they've not wanted what I had at all. And I'm like, well, I'm already here. And it's amazing that that wall in front of me. I can just grab chalk and boom, do it. Whereas on my iPad, I'm like, oh, I can't, my brain won't. But if you get me to the wall, yeah, I'm good. So I've learned to just push through it. Like 
the only way I get rid of fear is by just making myself do it. I was scared to death. I mean, three, six, five days a day. I got behind. I was getting emails. I was doing everything crazy. But just remembering that I'm on number 265 and there's 365 and somebody's already paid for 365. Mm -hmm. I can't get to that one until I finish this one. I just, I just sweat through it, you know? So the fear didn't necessarily go away. I just, I just, I just work with it and I just work through it. Wonderful. So with everything that you have done and experienced so far, what would you say has been the best advice that you ever received? The best advice I've ever received is that as a working artist doing jobs, being told that, you know, they want you. And so don't, you've already shown that you can do you. So don't try to draw differently. Don't try to, you know, because I've had to have it, you know, thinking, do they want something more realistic? Do they want blah, blah, blah. Like, they they came to you because of what you've already done. Mm -hmm. Just continue to do that. Like, you don't, you've already show, showed up. And so don't hide. Just be yourself and just, yeah, just do you. you they've, you've, you've already been accepted. Right. So you don't have to, you don't have to continue to earn acceptance. You've already been accepted. That's why you're here doing this job. They could have asked anybody else, but they asked you because of what they've seen. And what you what they what they've seen you do all the day in your sleep. So mm -hmm. just do that. And so I and I still to this day I have to remind myself that almost all the time. Like even just today, I was just like, like there's no right or wrong. Like I already know what I'm doing. Like just just start. And so yeah, that's the best advice I got. Yeah. Just be me. Wonderful. Well, Kababi, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I really appreciate it. If the listeners want to uh, follow you online or buy some of your work or get in touch with you, where are the best places they can go to do all of that? Um, they could go to kababibayok.com, which is you know C-B-A-B-I-B-A-Y-O-C. But I'm very active on Instagram. And if they're on Instagram, it's just my name, at Kababi. And through Instagram, I have a link tree link, which has my website and email and everything on it. So, okay. you know, even TikTok. So <laughs> <laughs> love it. Wonderful. And I will put those links in the show notes so they can click right through. Uh, but again, thank you so much for your time today. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, sir. Take care. Thank you for listening to another episode of Advance Your Art with Yuri Cataldo. If you like this episode, please remember to give us a five-star rating, like, and share with a friend. Our theme music is written and mixed by Chicago-based composer Ryan Black of Blackbones Collaborative. To listen to the full catalog of our episodes, go to advanceyourart.com. To see what I'm working on or book a time with me or buy a copy of my book, Be Left Behind, go to yuricataldo.com. Thank you so much and have a great day.